All right, we're on. Hello, everybody. I'm Devin. Scott, thank you for joining us again. This is the second time. You're the first gentleman who's actually uh, been kind enough to uh, speak with me twice. So wow. thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, man. So Hello. welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Devin. How's everything what are we, going? What are we, oh, it's good. Just adjusting to Reno life. Yeah, that's right. You're in Reno now. Did you, the last time that we had talked about Reno as a place that you were going to move to, you were saying you were looking at talking to Remza for employment. Has that panned out? Are you working for Remza? Yeah, I've been working for them for about a month and a half. So I got hired as a paramedic and I'm, I'm still in my training process with them. So, you know, it's going good. Um, I'm working two 24-hour shifts out in one of the hard posts. So it's like kind of out of like the, the city, um, but they're moving me into the city um, soon. Then I'll finish my training there and then, yeah. What do, you mean moving you, what do you mean about the city? They're moving you in or out of the city, I don't understand. Yeah, so like they have, they have these things called hard posts that are kind of on the outskirts of Reno. They're still in the city, but they're not, they call it out of system. Um, and they do two 24-hour shifts. And then in the system, you work four 12s. So it's just kind of how they, how they operate. Um, in the system is a little more busy than out of the system. So you have more call volume, and that's why you work 12s instead. Are you uh, in the 911 system, or are you doing IFTs more so? Or yeah, what's yeah it's, it's all 911. Um, there is IFTs built in. Um, but we have a we have a company called CareFlight that's attached to Remza that they do all the criti they do critical care transport so they have like a critical care paramedic and critical care nurse on a ground rig and they also have uh, helicopters that run the same. Okay. Okay. LifeFlight is contracted with or is a subset of Remza. I've heard of LifeFlight, but I didn't know that they were. Uh, it's it's CareFlight. CareFlight. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So they are they are a part of Remza. I see. Um, I'm not sure. There, it's like two different corporations, but they're together. Sure. So Do I'm you, not I'm not sure exactly how that works, but how how far into the Tahoe, um, you know, geography do you guys do you guys go? Um, we're most of Washoe County. Okay. So it's like, it's pretty big, it's pretty big area. Right. Um, so there's like a, there's one helicopter that is out of Truckee and there's, the ambulances don't really operate over there unless we intercept from another unit. Um, right. But most of the time, like, like yeah, Truckee fire is ALS and they transport. So they'll, they'll bring patients all the way over. Um, we we can intercept patients from Susanville. Okay, that's far um, north of you guys, huh? Or maybe I guess it's not that far north, is it? It's pre it's pretty far. Um, but then like actual north goes way up to, um, I forget the name of that town, but it's it's pretty far north, and then it goes all the way south. You know, past Carson City, we can go down there. We can Do you go guys into California from Mount Rose Highway? Right. Do you guys interface with Lake Tahoe Fire? Um, 
Lake, yeah. Not not North Tahoe Fire, but North Lake Tahoe. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the difference. The only the only reason I bring that up is that was who uh, Homewood would uh, transport to. That was the um, handoff from Homewood Mountain Resort. So I call yeah. So so Homewood that would go to North Tahoe Fire, and that's in California. You know, like Truckee. I mean, uh, Tahoe City. Right. And then there's uh, North Lake Fire, that's um, that's in an incline in Nevada. Okay, sure, sure. For for people that don't know, Lake Tahoe is an interesting part of the West Coast because half of it is in California and half of it is in Nevada. It's this giant alpine lake, uh, very beautiful, awesome skiing. And so, uh, yeah, man. Well, good for you. Good for you. Because I remember uh, you were uh, you were waiting to hear back from them and and wondering what was taking them some time, but they just took their time in doing their recruiting, huh? Yeah, I, I kind of missed an orientation. They, they had it filled up, so I had to wait a month. And then I was, I was working with my homie in Tahoe doing uh, rock work. So we were making like retaining walls with giant boulders. You know, we'd go, we'd go fill up a trailer with boulders, you know, <laughs> a few tons each load. Just like pick them up with our hands, you know, and use a dog to bring them up the driveway and lay them in place. And then we made some some cool stairs that had like rocks in the front and then concrete with road ties, um, stuff like that, which was good, you know. I was making awesome. pretty, good, pretty good money with him, and the weather was still nice at that time, so it was cool. How do you get some tile too? I'm sorry. Did some tile too. Nice man. How did, how are you guys? How would you? How did you guys go and get uh, those kinds of contracts? Is he a tradesman? Is he a mason? Um, yeah, second generation stonemason in Tahoe. Wow. His dad did it. Now he does it. Um, doesn't have his contractor's license, so um, all the jobs we get are like word of mouth and stuff. And uh, he's he's doing some work right now over there, making like polished concrete countertops and did a tile job so basically just he knows friends in the area that recommend him for certain jobs and you know people in Tahoe they always are improving upon their houses and it's like never ends you know right so yeah it works it works for him and yeah dude I'm gonna grab uh sunglasses really quick because my eyes look bloodshot as a motherfucker but they're just right here give me one second yeah All right, so now now we can be like the, the Blues Brothers. Perfect. Um, so that's super neat, dude. My, my grandfather, who, who passed away recently, was a general contractor. And um, the about the closest I've ever gotten to working with stones or concrete was he was uh, breaking a bit of the um, concrete driveway at my mother and stepfather's old house with a fucking giant steel or you know iron um like chisel beam i don't know if you've ever seen what they what they use for that work or, or if you've used that they're heavy as fuck it was like 50 60 pounds maybe maybe more and the man was just fucking you know just breaking concrete and uh he must have been 70 at the time 
And I was like a 20 something year old, you know, punk kid. And he's like, here, try this. And I fucking did it like twice and did it wrong. You feel me? Like if you hit a baseball wrong or if you hit a golf club wrong (laughs) and my whole body just like shook. And I was just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's hard work. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, dude. No doubt. That's all. It's like, you'll get in some good shape doing stonemasonry work. It's carrying rocks around and shit like that. But yeah, those, those breaker bars, they're, Oh, breaker bars, that's what they're called. Breaker bar, yeah. They, they, we use them a lot and that kind of stuff for leverage and, and moving rocks and a whole bunch of shit like that, digging. Right. But, yeah, dude, definitely if you, if you hit them and they start vibrating, they're powerful. <laughs> yeah, shake, they shake your bones, you know what I mean? They don't, they don't shake a muscle or, you know, yeah. the hands. They shake the fucking skeleton. Yeah. It's probably it's probably good for like circulation, you know. I don't know, like loosen things up in there, like everything. <laughs> yeah. All of your connective tissue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, uh, the thought that I get that I want to share is, it's so fucking easy, from my perspective, to discount the intensity and level of mastery out there. For the trades, because oh, yeah. you feel me. I grew up in a community in the Bay Area. I think you did too. Uh, I could be wrong, but I was insulated from the experience of working with my hands for the majority of my life. And it wasn't until I became a person out on my own that I explored the interest in in craftsmanship and and, and uh, you know, apprenticeship in different trades. And I'm, I'm no great tradesperson. That's not my point. My point is, I get it now. Like, if you can do something, you know, if you can build a fucking driveway, if you can pour concrete, if you know how to mix concrete, if you know how to make stairs, if you know, you know, the list goes on and on. You, you, you have real value. And that's something I think, I mean, just to take my highfalutin opinion to the next logical step, I think that's something that's lacking in certainly where I came from and the narrative that was told to me as a young person, what I was given as a roadmap for success in the world. It's like, get a degree, be, you know, be a fucking manager. And you know, all that other stuff is, is a waste of your time. And the older I get, it's like, that's, that couldn't be more wrong. Yeah. It's very valuable from making money and saving money. You know, like we all have to, at some point have something made, you know, and whether you make it yourself or you pay someone to make it, you know, if you're able to make it yourself, you're saving a lot of money. And I like how you're saying that. Yeah. And like in times like these, you know, say you get laid off from your job or whatever, like if you know how to build some shit, like you could find work. Right. You know? Right. So it's definitely, and and it's cool building stuff. You know, it's like you always are running into problems, but you're always figuring out ways to solve them. And, you know, it takes takes being clever and intelligent. You know, people think that, like, guys that work work building stuff are kind of dumb, you know, but it's, like, not true. <clears throat> You're really smart. They just, like, you know, school's not for everyone, you know don't get in your degree and 
it's not for everybody, that's for sure. Bro, but, I did it, and it wasn't for me. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a place for school. You know, like, you need to go to school a certain amount to where it ties in with what you're doing. So then you can, you know, get promoted or get, get a job in a company that you wouldn't be able to without a little bit of school, like, you know, trade school, let's say, like, welding or whatever, you know. <clears throat> like, I think it's important to do that, but it doesn't mean you need to go get, like, you know, a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. You know, you just get, like, what's important for your, you know, goal. <clears throat> I hear that. Yeah. quote that comes to mind is, in theory, practice and theory are the same thing. And the, the, the delineation I see in abstraction, like the conceptual framework that we're talking about is the difference between studying things and doing things. Yeah. And doing things is the world of practice, is doing a fucking thing and learning through what it actually is and getting the muscle memory and the knowledge of thinking laterally through problems and tangibly creating something. And then there's the idea of academia. That if I can just have a, make a book on it, then all of this is a waste of my time. And that's wrong. And uh, yeah. I think it's an interesting point. Like, you know, you know what it is to, to, to learn a trade. And, and for me, I think it came from the natural world. Like surfing and skiing gave me that respect for practice more than just about anything else. And then that has been something that, I, that has bled through into, you know, trying to get down my protocols for emergency medicine. Lord knows it's hard to get those fucking things through my head, you know? Like, I love to stay in the theory world as opposed to understanding, okay, this is the situation, this is the patient, this is the set of vitals, what's the next move, you know? And it's like, I can sit here and bullshit for 25 minutes about the conceptual framework, but understanding practice is a different thing. And so I think that that's a really valuable message to be told to young people because the con I would argue that can happen from the world of theory is like, just pay me all your money, give me your future financial freedom, and I'll give you a piece of paper that says you're good at things. And that's a real dangerous bargain for young people, right? Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be a combination of the two. Right. You know, cause like you can, it's, it's good to learn things in a classroom setting before you do them. So you understand, you know, the, the basics and you understand you understand it enough to when you start practicing it and you're out there doing it you you can like look back on the things that you learned and be like oh, okay this is this relates to what I learned so you know I, I kind of know what to do but this that's not the only way to do it that you learn you know what I mean like the, the person that taught you how to do something you know he taught you how to do it in his way or their way you know, and there's so many different ways. Right. And, you know, it's just like, you don't really learn something until you do it. I hear you that. Learn, you learn so much by just doing stuff. Right. So <clears throat> for, for me nowadays, and I'm curious where you're at with it, but I imagine you're, you're on the same tip or, or even farther along on the path, if you will, is how do you implement habits and strategies so that you are doing what you should be with your time. Like, how do you stay away from wasting time psychologically? Like, I, to, what I'm getting at is with this extra time because of COVID and everybody's off and I've got extra oh, time yeah. in the house, 
I've been doing these workout videos and I just have made a commitment to like, okay, I'm going to put out a video a day. Like what, what habits do you put in place so that you're, you know, learning and you're practicing? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like I just do, I just do me. Like I'll, I'll, I'll I don't really have any habits really. I just kind of, you know, be sitting down, watch TV and I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to look this up or look that up because I remember I wanted to the other day when I was at work or whatever. So like, I'll just like spend half hour looking some shit up that I wanted to, you know, or I'll, or I'll make some food that I thought about making, you know, or I'll like, you know, just do things that I think most of the time <laughs> when I have motivation to do things is when I'm working. It's like, oh man, I can't wait. So I am not working so I can actually do things that I want to do, you know? Right. You know like that, that's when I have these creative ideas running through my head. It's so weird. But then like when I'm home and, and I'm just chilling or whatever, you know? It's like my creative ideas don't really flow as much as if, you know, I'm not. It's like the grass is always greener type of thing. But I don't know. I don't really have habits like that. I just kind of like do my thing. And, you know, if I want to watch TV for five hours, I'll watch TV for five hours, you know. It's like whatever. What creative ideas are you having recently? I'm um, just talking with, like, coworkers and stuff and, you know, religion versus universal, you know, frameworks of life itself. Um, just kind of interested on like, how did the universe start? You know, like what is the big bang and you know, how, how did something so vast come from one singularity, you know, in like, in such enormous speed, you know, I was really interested on the beginnings of creation you know this kind of always is something i've thought about as intangible you know because it is you know even if you're the, the biggest astrophysicist there is like we don't know everything yet and we probably will we'll never know everything and the more we learn the more we realize we were wrong you know just like anything in life so it's just really fascinating to me and you know, I like to see perspectives, different perspectives, but, you know, that's what I'm going on right now. I love it, man. Matt, you're, you're speaking my language now. Uh, let's get into cosmology. Let's get into philosophy, psychology, and religion. Um, I've taken a deep dive myself, and yeah. I think that we can both agree on the shared premise that there's no guru, there's no <laughs> fucking, there's no authority there's only collected bodies of evidence you know of of experimental evidence that can be pointed to to build theory and then there's people that have had experiences right and um i've i've de delved into both worlds um and first of all like what precipitated you being interested in things as lofty as the Big Bang, like where did that intrigue start? I'm curious, but then I'll go on my diatribe. I, everything started with that. So, you know, to understand something, you gotta, you gotta go to the beginning, right? Like see how it evolved over time. 
like we want to look at you know life on earth like we got to go to the beginning what, what was the first life right. you know so it's the same thing as in the universe so you know it's only only makes sense to me to go to there but yeah i feel you where did we come from right right like if if, if we're concerned so much about where we're going where the fuck did we come from yeah i get it it's, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a physics problem or it's like a it's a vector you know um dude i i love it because like i'm not, I, I don't have any answer obviously but like, I it's like I'd, I'd rather have questions that i cannot answer than answers i cannot question amen you know I mean? amen yeah but. if somebody's preaching dogma get as far away from that person as you can get if somebody's making you question shit that's an interesting person yeah so like I read this, uh, a really cool short story and it's online. It's, it's free. Uh, it's by Isaac Asimov, who's a very, very famous science fiction writer. And Isaac Asimov also, also was like a university professor, like a brilliant guy. He wrote, um, stranger in a strange land, the foundation trilogy, like a lot of like honest to goodness, like top 10 best, you know, science fiction books ever. Um, uh, and that, like, in, in, a, in a factual sense, each year, the, like, guild of science fiction writers uh, vote on the best book of that year. And also, like, the readership, whomever is registered, uh, you know, in the same way that, like, the Academy Awards work, right, I assume, like, people that are in, like, positions of being able to vote on these kinds of things, vote on the science fiction best book of the year. Isaac Asimov wrote, like, five books that, are, that have received both awards the year that they came out there it's the hugo award and the nebula award and like oh. some books win one or the other right but like it's rare that a book wins both like ender's game and uh, you know the list of those winning books are like a, a who's who of the great science fiction stories anyway is isaac asimov wrote like a an essay like a short story and it's called the i don't know if it's the last question or the final question and it's fucking wonderful and it's, huh. it, it's like trippy and it takes it's like 10 pages, takes you five minutes to read. It's no big deal, but it's really wonderful. And it's not so much about just like discussing or, or delving into the concepts of the, of the Big Bang. It's about, okay, we know, right? We like to think that we know, let's say that. Yeah. Uh, that entropy is a thing, okay? The movement towards uh, um, dissolution, chaos, you know, from order to chaos, the, the collective lowering of the energetic state of the system is entropy. So like, right, like, like temperatures normalize, like things that are built will break down, that kind of thing is a manifestation of entropy. So, so in physics, in, in Newtonian physics, we see entropy is always happening. Even though order may be happening someplace, more disorder is happening other places to make that happen, okay? Well, then the argument becomes over a certain amount of time, the universe is just going to dissipate into a cold nothingness. There's going to be no electronic energy ever any, anymore after the entropy take, you know, plays that out. So the, the question is like, what next? So like, yeah, what happens to all the matter? Yeah. Right. So like one, I, I mean, I, I won't go into the story, but like, yeah, like what, like, once the stars burn out, once, you know, like if, if, if energy dissipates, where does the new energy come from? Right. Over, over, you know, time to the end spans of time, right? Like time 
as it just propagates into, into perpetuity. So like, that's a really beautiful story um, because he's a brilliant guy. Okay, Isaac Asimov is brilliant. Anybody who's read his work or you can look it up on Wikipedia, he was a brilliant guy. Uh, the story in its thesis to that question as it plays out in like a science fiction short story, because it's like, it'll, it'll be a short um, scene in like one time, and then it'll be like 10,000 years later, it'll be a short scene, you know, a couple, couple, you know, dialogue back and forth. And then like a million years in the future, you know what I mean? And each time the people are different, right? They've like evolved. Um, hmm. The thesis that he comes up with borders on spirituality, religion, um, metaphysics, like, woo woo shit it's like it's poetic it's uh it's beautiful in the way that it answers the question and so why i bring that up is when you talk about these big questions like let's look at where we came from let's look at like what physics tells us and what the people that are studying this should tell us and what does it actually mean and like we should be able to digest that if we're going to ask ourselves the big questions about our own life like where we're going and i get it i think i would say that being around life and death the way that you are doing as a as a productive member of our society as an as an emergency medical professional as a paramedic i think precipitates these kind of deep internal questions because you are faced with these real inextricable facts of life things that are beyond perception and point of view and perspective like when a person dies they die that's it that's that's a that's a reality and so it begs the psychological examination of all of the actual realities that we find ourselves in. So here's what I'm getting at. My thesis in an answer to your question that has worked for me, that, that has gotten me to move forward, right? From my own place to like, you know, in a direction of, of, of attempting to develop myself, yeah. is that when we go deep enough into theory, we come out the other side in practice. When we delve into these deep questions, we come out the other side breathing correctly. We come out the other side with, with more respect for our friends and family. We come out the other side with more conviction in our, in our chosen you know, professional lives, in, our, in, our, in the way that we wanna be of service. Like, if you, if you go into theory to a certain point, you become like an academic and you like make a paper and you name some medical procedure, right? How funny is it how many fucking doctors' names are on parts of anatomy, uh, interventions, uh, you feel me? Like things that have been discovered in medicine in a way to try to like solidify their place in theory. When it's like, how much vanity is there in medicine? Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. <laughs> you feel me? Like, oh, I could go. Um, so my point is people that have stopped in the, in the, in the conceptual dive have solidified, but you start, you're going as deep as you can, right? I think you come out the other side. I think, I think you come back to yourself. I think you start becoming a better dude if you, if you start asking yourself questions you can't answer. Yeah, it's just, I think you try harder in the end because you, you understand that you know, life is short and life is good and you can make it better by, by being, you know, more involved or by, you know, having a better perspective. Like you, it kind of just rubs off on other people as well. And, you know, if you, if you do 
research like all the great minds have and they discover amazing things it's like that helps all and you know like everyone still always talks about Einstein and all of his theories and it's like that dude's been dead for a long time you know Isaac Newton like all these great minds like they've been dead long time but what they discovered and what they put out there never dies you know that's and so it took, i'm sure that they made many sacrifices to do that no doubt takes energy oh yeah and like almost a, a mania i would you know assume for those those type of brilliant minds you know like I'm, I don't have, I don't have that kind of mind, so I'm never gonna, you know, discover things like that. But I will, I am trying to discover life in a better way. You know, my own life, you know, my family's life, my friends' lives. That's beautiful, man. I mean, what, 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 an honorable place to find yourself where you see the sanctity of, of life and relationships. And believe me, I've deluded myself out of that place many, many times. And yeah. it is a fucking right cross to my chin when I feel it. Because instantly I realize all of the shitty things that I've done to my family. Every time I've been the lesser man in friendships, ways that I can be nicer to my spouse, like it all is right there when I, when I feel what you're talking about. And, and that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Um, I don't think that, I mean, look, I don't have access to the way that anybody else's mind works, right? Obviously, right. like as much as I like to think that I can be empathic at, at the best of times, like I, I like clearly just as a, as a premise, only have access to my own thoughts, feelings, perceptions. And I think that everybody can have that kind of mind. But again, I only have access to mine. But bro, I have struggled many times very acutely in my life with the nature of my own mind. And, uh, you know, it's something that I could go into as much detail as you like, but it's not important. But, but I, what relates to the fact at hand is it's something that can work for me, you know? And it's something that can work against me. And finding that mechanism, learning how to use the, the, the firing, you know, that's going on all the time in a way that is like conscious, in a way that is directed like towards my goal or aim and towards a way that is respectful of like everybody and everything has been the great work of my life. And um, yeah, and you're just gonna get better at it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> like once you figure it out, like you, and then you realize like how much better your interactions with other people are, you know, how much better like everything is, like once you figure it out. And it's just, it's not hard, it's just being kind you know, being open to things, you know, not being so closed-minded and, like, stuck in your ways. Like, being able to just talk to some stranger or talk to your best friend who has a different view of something and just listen and be like, 
okay, I can put myself in your shoes and I can understand why you are feeling like this. I may not feel like that. I may not agree with, you know, everything, but it's like, I understand. And then once you allow yourself to just like get it and become so much easier, then you're no longer fighting yourself, fighting with others, right. being, being negative. Like that's like, the, it's like so simple when you, when you break it down, like be positive, be kind, love people, you know, help people. Uh, it's like, if you do all that stuff, it's going to be, your life's going to be better. It's super simple. But when you find yourself in these dark times from, you know, trauma or death or disability, illness, you get, you get into a dark place, you get negative. And then all of a sudden everything goes to shit. So it's like, you can see the inverse relationship happen. You know, it's happened to me. It's happened to probably everybody in life. That's, that's how life goes. It's like this, you know? <laughs> right. So, but like when you look at it, it's like, oh, when I was negative, a lot of things were negative in my life. When I was positive, a lot of things were positive in my life, you know? So stay positive even if it's hard. Because it's only going to get worse if you be negative. That, that battle that you speak to is a really interesting point, I think. I have like the lesbian haircut going. Yeah, so do I. I can't get my haircut though. <laughs> Close. Uh, but you feel me like um, realizing that there's no need to fight internally is a really beautiful awareness to come to, as opposed to if I just fight my, you know, impulse or my negative feeling or my judgment or my this or my that. Well, the fight itself creates tension, right? Yeah, but, like no. Let go. Do some breathing exercises or something. Yeah, that's what I do when I'm super stressed. Do some deep breathing exercises and just kind of levels me out, dude. Like, I think it really, like, gets rid of, like, cortisol, you know? Like, the actual hormones in your body that are making you feel that way, that are making you feel tired, angry, upset. Like, if you can kind of just balance out your endocrine system, you know what I mean? Like, you're gonna feel better you're gonna release you're gonna release endorphins you know you're gonna change your body's chemistry just through a conscious effort and a physical action you know that's right and be and like think and think positive thoughts you know but i think people that have a problem with you know being negative and getting stressed out need to find a way physically you know like you like if you have problems like, you know how to deal with them. You go on a bike ride, you know what I mean? You do a physical thing, and then that's that, in turn, helps you mentally. That's yeah. Right. Consciously as well, throughout the process. You know, you may, you may start your bike ride being pissed off, and like, oh, this sucks, I'm, my legs hurt, and like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm not going as fast as I should. But then you, by the time you get done, you know, you can see yourself building to a better spot. And then you're done, you're like, oh, I'm done. Now I feel good. That's right. Yeah, so, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more, man. That's been for some people, it might be art, it might be drawing a picture, you know, it might be playing a video game that they love or like whatever, you know. It's like you just gotta find that thing that you can just get in your flow state, reset. It's super important because if you don't, then you're just gonna be a freaking hamster on the wheel and you're gonna get burned out and you're 
wheel bearings and your little hamster wheel are gonna light on fire and shit. You don't want that. I think a commitment to the activities that we find flow state within is extremely important. And so I make the commitment to doing, you know, basically one of those activities each day. Yeah. It's a transcendent experience. I mean, it's an experience where I, I, I get to be in a, a different version of myself, like a better one for a time. Yeah, and that, that's through just conscious. It's, you're not taking any mind-altering, you know, substances. You know, you're not, like, eating acid or smoking DMT. You know what I mean? Like, you're just doing a conscious effort to change your, your state of mind. Right. And... I think that's like that kind of exercise is really important because that that allows you to deal with a stressful situation you know if if you have that state of mind where you can like change your state of mind and you know you can and you believe that you can then any kind of external influence isn't going to dictate how you act I feel that it's and that's important. That's important in a lot of stuff that we do. It's important dropping in on a sick line. That if you mess up, you know you might wreck on some rocks and like you know really fuck yourself up. And then now you got to get airlifted off the mountain and shit. It's like that's a big consequence. But if you know how to put your mind in the right place, you can have fun riding that line, you know, and not get fucked up <clears throat> or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, that, that flow state is what's so intoxicating, right? Like, even without, uh, you know, any kind of drug, uh, other than being you know, capital T moment is, um, is uh, really a more direct experience of the self, right? And it's like, that's one of the things that has helped me a great deal in growing up. Uh, that is to say, define oneself or be defined. And if I can be in myself now, then it doesn't matter what anybody says about what I did because guess what? I'm still doing shit. The next thing that I'm about to do will continue to affect my definition. So it's, a, it's an invocation of one's own power over their life. And it's one that a person makes for good or ill, right? Like, it's, it's not just like, look at me, I'm so great. It's like, I'm here now, and I take responsibility for my, my thoughts, my words, my, my deeds, and, you know, so forth. It's, it's a, it's a um, returning to the center. It's a returning to the self. It's a, it's a restart. It's, a, it's another big bang, because your, your action, one's action from flow state ripple laminarly into eternity they don't they're not turbulent they don't dissipate there's no entropy in in truth truth exists and it and it propagates at the speed of light right like it's just that's what's real and yeah man like i have more access to that 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 wisdom from challenging myself uh physically than just about anything else. That's been the, 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 the biggest door, the, the most, you know, welcome passage into life itself. And it's one of the reasons why, 
I take my, my, my health and fitness and, 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 you know, training extremely seriously. And it's like, I have that voice. That's like, what the fuck you're, you know, I'm not some, you know, you're not a pro sports person. You, you have no reason to, you know, hold yourself that high. You know, I have that detracting voice as loud as anybody does. But when I do it anyway, that voice works for me. That or that voice is like, you can't do three laps on the, on the mountain. There's no way you could do three laps. And so then I say, I'm doing three laps. Like, and you're, and you're coming. So save your fucking breath. Uh, and it's been a beautiful thing because it's been a, it's been a place that, 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 that gives me heart for the rest of my life. You know, my relationships, my, my, my work, my, my, so yeah, man, I, I am really motivated to try to give that wisdom to as many people as I can. I've, I've been coaching and training more so recently, uh, others, and I, I intend to continue to do that. Not because I have the way, not because I'm so great, because I've been through what we're speaking to and, and God willing, I can light that fire in somebody else to, to do that themselves, right? Yeah. It's fun just to experience things you like doing with other people, like doing it too. Yeah. Meeting new people. Just kind of being, you know, going to do something fun. You going to jump off any waterfalls? Not recently. (laughs) I haven't haven't been doing anything really fun like that. Um, Yeah. So that kind of sucks, but. I'm dreaming of it. That's for sure. You know. What are What are your plans? Just have fun again with my friends. Once this is all over, yeah. Are but, you guys on lockdown? Yeah. Just yeah, you know, I could go up to the the hills and you know go do a little hike, snowboarding stuff, but. I don't know, man. I just maybe I will. You should. I, I did it like a couple of weeks ago. We went up and did some laps. It was pretty fun. You guys still have a good amount of snow. What What would be the mountain that you would go to, Rose? Yeah, up there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know, man. You're just. You, 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 I, it sounds like. You know, 20, 48 hours in a week is a lot of hours. So you're putting most of your energy, I would imagine, into uh, your work. Yeah, I mean, I still have, you know, a few days off. Right. So <clears throat> it's, just, it's just more about finding some friends to go with me, you know, especially this time, like with all the snow. Like, I don't want to get in a bad situation by myself. It's not worth it to me, you know. So... You know, most of my friends live in Tahoe. You know, I got like, I got like one buddy over here that goes and does that stuff with me, but he's, he's like working during the week and stuff. So just not a lot of people to go with is the main problem, you know? Sure. Sure. But Dude, Central Oregon is pretty epic um, with respect to backcountry skiing. Tumalo is the shit. Have you seen those Tumalo videos? Yeah. Pretty deep. Dude, really fun. Uh, speaking of dangerous situations, I almost got fucked. I uh, 
I broke off a wind lip and it, it slid a little bit. It, thankfully there were no, you know, there was no persistent instabilities. There was no slab on the, on the hole, but, uh, the fucking cornice went. So that was a thing, but bro, I'll go ski with you anytime. Just let me know. Uh, you know, I, I can come to you, um, easier than, than asking you to, to meet me up here. So I would go do rows or something if, if, uh, if that was a good move. I don't know if we're going to have any more snow, dude. I think that our winter's finally over, huh? I don't know. We, we just got some here like last week, fucking dumped. <clears throat> so yeah. there's enough snow for, you know, spring skiing. Right. For right. Sure. Hopefully, the hopefully they reopen the resorts like in a couple months. That'd be sick. <laughs> Right. Can you can you imagine if they did like a like a one week just fucking free for all everywhere? There's no way that they will. But maybe some mom and pop spots, you know? Yeah, it'd be pretty detrimental to all of our you know progress staying home. (laughs) Yeah. Man, I was looking so forward to spring skiing at squaw, dude. Like, man. You got a pass. You got a pass to to Squaw Alpine or the- yeah, I had I had the Icon pass. So Icon pass, nice. So like, I I used it pretty you know pretty good before they closed, but I mean they still had months and months of freaking riding when they closed. They, they-, they, just, they just got like nine feet of snow the day before they closed. So, dude, we got lucky. We went to Brazil um, to to visit Izzy's parents. And I was like, well, fuck, like, I missed all of March. Like, you know, I missed the best skiing. And we come back and it dumped. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, it's April. And we just got two feet. Dude, we got like four feet in two days. Like, fresh. Like, you know, compacted way down. But uh, that was that one day where it was super, super good. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, man, we, we came back to a winter, which was nice. Did, did Squaw give you guys a discount? No. Fuck. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> you might. But, you might get a discount on next year's pass. Yeah. Sometimes I'm planning. I'm planning on uh, going. Going back to Reading. and me and me and my wife are gonna probably move back to Reading, like in like six months, or so. Nice. Nice. So I'll probably just I'll probably just go back up to Shasta, dude. You might get the real estate uh, market at the perfect time with all of this COVID um, sell-off. Uh, I don't know if yeah. you got to buy a house, but it might be a good time. Who knows? Yeah, we're we're probably gonna buy a place. Um, yeah, we'll see what it does. I I don't think it's gonna affect the market a whole lot. You know, the housing market, but. It probably will on more expensive homes, you know, like half mil around that. It's probably going to affect those houses, but like, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollar houses, probably not going to affect those too much. But yeah, dude, we're just, I'm, I'm stoked to go back to Reddy, man. Like I have a lot of friends there and family and, you know, I just love that area. I love going up to Lassen, and Shasta and Whiskey Town and just the coast is right there. Like, it's a good spot, man. I love it too, bro. Reading is a, is a, I mean, less so Reading for me, but more so all of the surrounding areas. So Trinity Lake is a real special place for our family. Uh, yeah. Bro, Shasta, like, changed me. Like, 
I no nonsense fell in love with Mount Shasta. Yeah. Still, still think about her, you know? Like that mountain oh, yeah. is something special for sure. Like for yeah. those who aren't familiar, um, Mount Shasta is the seventh most prominent mountain in the world. And at a 14,000 foot height, it has just about every kind of, what would you call it? Like environment that you can get on a mountain, like up to the, you know, Himalaya. Like it's got a glacier, it's got many glaciers. You feel me? It's, it's, it's uh, extremely tall and it's just this magical place, man. So yeah, good for you, dude. Well, when you're in Reading, we could definitely uh, make strike missions to Shasta. Would you work, are you gonna work at a, at a ski park again? I don't know, maybe, maybe go like, go up there part-time or something. Maybe not. Maybe just buy a pass. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> right. 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 I don't know, man. Like, since, since I'm not going to be living up there, you know, that hour commute, probably, I don't know, dude. Yeah, I feel you. That's a, that's a long drive. To fucking drive to and from Reading is, is a bitch. And that particular drive is a little bit stressful, too, right? Like, if there's water on the road, like, going through the, the Shasta Lake corridor. I Dude, I did that at night driving an ambulance with a patient and a, and a practitioner in the back without my glasses in the rain. And it was not a good, it was, like I did it, it was fine. Like we're okay, you know, everything worked, thank God. But bro, I mean like in a torrential downpour, roads are really slick, you know, one of the first rains in a, in a good amount of time, right? Uh, fucking semi-traffic on the corridor between Shasta and Redding when the economy is getting after it, is a fucking thing to be seen. And man, I either had to. Yeah, it dumps, like in that one section right there, like above Lakehead, like, dude, I don't know why, but when it rains there, it dumps and the water pools on the road a lot. So you can like hydroplane and shit. I've I've never been so white knuckle driving. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, me neither. A, a fucking ambulance for you know the 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 company. Uh, you know, big, heavy, fucking rumbling, bumbling thing. Uh, you know, with with like a serious patient in the back that we're we're transferring to uh, like Davis or something. You know, and I'm just like fucking like like I know if I come into any turn with any kind of lateral momentum, like there's a chance that we're fucking skipping. I was just like, fuck. And then the, the semis are passing me. So I either have to draft off a semi and just perfectly stay with them because the next fucking semi is coming right on our ass and they're doing like a Peloton thing, you know? Or I have to stay a little bit faster than the semis and stay in front of a line where I'm going like 70. Yeah. That, that fucking area uh, put some gray hairs on my head for sure, man. Dude, yeah, man. Yeah, that's it's a brutal little stretch. But yeah, I don't know. I'll probably just like I probably won't work up there. It depends. I don't know. Maybe like a day a week or something. Do you miss patrolling? Did you patrol this last year? No. Yeah. Do you miss it? Um, it was fun. You know, it was, it was pretty fun. It was like some a good thing to do because I was so close to the mountain. You know, if I lived super close to the mountain, I would do it. 
you know, but the commute really doesn't make sense, you know, because I'm going to be working and then like my days off, like I want to go freaking have fun with my homies and snowboard and I'll have to, you know, do courtesy rides or freaking bandage someone's broken leg. And, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I do that stuff at work. I don't want to have to work more and, you know, I get it. Rather just go have fun for, cause like, especially since this winter, freaking everything got closed down, you know, it's like, we got to get my riding in. Got to. Right. Right. The only way that we were able to afford bachelor passes, we're working up here. Fucking bachelor pass. Just a bachelor is a thousand dollars. Holy shit. The icon was like 800, you know, and what, do get, what do you get with the icon? You get uh, unlimited at like Squaw, Alpine, Mammoth, um, a couple other mountains that are close. Um, there's some there's some blackout days with the eight hundred dollar one. You get like a thousand dollar pass as no blackouts, but then you get like a couple days at like so many mountains like Jackson, freaking just a bunch of Colorado, Utah resorts, <clears throat> Montana. Like Wyoming, like you have, you have so many days. Like you can even go to like up in the Canada, some resorts up there. So it's like if you can travel around, it's sick. But Squaw Alpine, like they don't offer anything else but the Icon. So obviously that's what I got. And I didn't go anywhere else with it. I just went to. I don't even. I think I went to Alpine like one day. But yeah, I just Squaw basically. Which I mean, I've had some sick days up there at Squaw for sure. Like some, some awesome days this year that were super fun. My my preconceived notion is that the lift lines there are just killer, but you you had good days. Yeah, the lift lines like they can get bad, you know, at certain times, and like <clears throat> you know, like like if they're opening KT twenty two, like it's like one of their most famous chairs. Um, you know, like, you got to get there pretty early in the morning, like, sit in line for, like, three hours to get, like, one of the, you know, first chairs. Right. <clears throat> Otherwise, the whole the, – every run that's good is chewed up that first, that first like, go around. By the time you get to the bottom and you get back up to the top, it's, like, there's already, like, four bomb holes and, like, the cliff you want to hit and stuff. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's, that's the deal. But, like – it's a show too. So like you're going up the lift and you're just watching all these guys send it like, cause the chair rides right next to the cliffs and stuff. So it's like, you get to see some sick shit as well. Right. You know, well as doing some sick shit. Right. And but, there's a, there's a thriving community of rippers that, that ride squat. I get that. Like, yeah. And that, that's why it's so cool. Cause you can like go ride and then like you got your little pack of like 15 dudes or whatever that just like, you know, like, one day I found like this one super sick little hit, you know, and then we, there's like 15 dudes hitting it, you know, and like double backflips and like sevens and like, you know what I mean? Just like truck driver threes and switch fives. And just like, you just watch dude after dude after dude, just like hit this thing and like, all right, sweet. We're going to hit it again. Yeah. Shoot it again. You know what I mean? That's awesome. It's like really fun. And then like, you, then you go to like different parts of the mountain and then you just like, you know, as they open stuff and then you're just like, it's so big, but it, it gets tracked out pretty quick. You know, you're not going to find a ton of fresh stuff, you know, like the next day. You can if you, like, hike a lot and stuff. You can find some fresh freshies, like, the day after a pow day. 
Um, and some days they don't open the whole mountain, you know, because it's too dangerous or whatever. So, like, they'll, like, keep the upper mountain closed. And then, like, two days later, they'll open the upper mountain. So then everyone goes there. Right. But, I mean, yeah, like, I, I like to do that at school. I hang out with, like, all those <clears throat> crazy kids and do some crazy stuff. But I also like going to a chill mountain to where there's pal for days. There's no lines. You know what I mean? Like, and just hanging out with your homies, like hitting whatever you want, as long as you want, because it's like unlimited, you know, drops. And like, that's like, that's what I would prefer, honestly. Just having that intimate relationship, you know? Yeah. That's what I would prefer. I feel that. Yeah, man. Uh, Homewood <laughs> was a real wonderful place. I skied Kirkwood a lot. Kirkwood's where I kind of grew up skiing. Kirkwood's Shaft. pretty badass. Kirkwood, Kirkwood's the shit, dude. Kirkwood yeah. is definitely the shit. Uh, yeah, uh, the backside, chair six, um, the wall. Uh, yeah, there's some sick stuff there. Shoots. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, thinking through my relationship with skiing, the, the common thread is exploration. That's what I really get off on. It's like if I'm on a new, you know, slope, I'm I'm already having fun. Like, period. Like, just 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 the like, you know, learning the the, the new place. That said, like, really learning a place is even better, right? Like, like really putting in the time at one lift or at one root up of, of Shasta or you know whatever it is one beach right if you're if you're surfing there's something magical that happens there dude like right like yeah I just I just love riding with friends that like <clears throat> that, that are like-minded and like a riding style you know like because like my riding style would be I'd describe it as like not just charge down the hill to get to the bottom like as fast as I can but like find as many little things to like jump off as I can on the way down. And that may take stopping and looking for a spot and then going and then jumping off it and then stopping and then looking up and then watching my homie hit it too. You know what I mean? Just kind of like leapfrogging like down the mountain, like getting stoked on each other's little tricks and stuff. Like it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could just be like, you know, a sweet stale fish grab or whatever, you know, but it's like, man, that was awesome. And just like having so much stoke down that same run you know right, right. i mean i definitely love hauling ass you know every now and then i'll just bomb it but i love just like kind of just like going a little slower and just kind of just like jumping off shit wherever i get it what what was the first experience of, of getting air that you had growing up that got you on that stoke like on my snowboard just in general. Oh, jumping off cliffs. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I had a trampoline when I was younger. I guess that was the first, you know, just jump around on the tramp. But then, yeah, jumping off cliffs at Whiskey Town. Definitely. Oh, Whiskey Town, specifically at Whiskey Town Lake? That's yeah. a cliff, the bridge there? Yeah, right by the bridge. There's little cliffs. Okay. Yeah. Well, what bridge exactly? The bridge when you're going west? Out of red, uh, out of Reading, that you're gonna pass. Yeah, two, yeah. Three. That, that big one. Yeah. Okay. I 
like near the Whiskey Town Dam? Uh, no. Okay, so I don't know where the bridge you're talking about is. It's right? just it's just on it's on two ninety nine. It's like the only bridge on two ninety nine. Okay, okay, I'd have to think, but that's awesome, man. So, if, what what tricks did you learn growing up on a trampoline? Um, backflips, like backflip three sixties, side flips, front flips, front flip three sixties, like you know, all of those flips. Did you ever try a double on a trampoline? Um, well, yeah, I get it. I'd have to have like a, a double bounce, right. you know, right. I could do like, I could do like backflips and a half yep. and I, I would need like, I would need another double bounce to get a double, <clears throat> but I can do them now, like on the bigger trampolines, like at woodwork and stuff. I could do doubles on that for sure. Dang. On the, on the, on the rectangular ones, the like gymnastic ones, the like ones yeah. that the springs. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. The super tramp ones. Oh, I, I, okay. There you go. Yeah, that's what they're called, super tramps? Well, they have, like, regular tramps there that are way better than, like, a normal trampoline. They're, yeah. like, they're like 8 by 6 or something, maybe, like, 10 by 6. Yeah. But they, have, they usually have, like, one super tramp that's, like, 12 by 12. Oh, shit. And you just launch, dude. Like, things freaking gnarly. <laughs> that's but awesome. Yeah, it's so fun, dude. Like, I always get hurt, though, like, every time I go. I always, like mess up my big toe oh is that what it is you roll it dude i don't know i don't know dude but every time i'm like hobbling out of woodwork because my freaking toe ouch ouch but yeah i've seen like people break their arms on that trampoline just all sorts of shit like you can get like i get more hurt at woodward than i do like snowboarding usually <laughs> woodward i think is one of the coolest things for adventure sports the idea of we take these things seriously they're not just you know kids play and so we're gonna we're gonna practice and get really good at them so that we can go send cliffs and do tricks and whatever and that we've put in the time and the effort I, I haven't been to woodward and trained but i would love to when i was a little kid like nine maybe even like seven or eight some kid had a birthday party and it was at a fucking gymnastics gymnasium with a ball pit or a foam pit and a fucking just all of the cool things right and i i had just broken my arm so I couldn't go and I was gutted. I was so fucking bummed. I still haven't like made up for that, but we had a, uh, we had a trampoline too when we were little kids. I, I never looked, I don't think I learned a front flip 360, a full twist front, but I can do like a, 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 granny, you know, like a, a half twisting front and I learned yeah. full twisting back. And dude, I, I totally lose where I am in the air. I, I don't know where I am in the air when I do a full twisting back. I just throw it over my shoulder and just go that direction and then like fucking come out and land sometimes. But yeah, uh, my buddy Nick had a trampoline in his backyard flush with the grass. Oh yeah. He dug it out. It was sick. That's sick. a good way to do it. Dude, it was so fun. So we would play, uh, you know, we would play like horse for tricks, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Woodward is like so sick, dude. Like, if you want to get good at doing stuff, like, and you spend a lot of time at Woodward, like, you're gonna be good at. You're gonna be good at whatever it is that you're trying to do, like skiing or snowboarding or, you know. Right. Because your air awareness just gets so dialed. You just know exactly where you are in the air. You know what I mean? And like, that's what it. That's what it takes to be good at flying through the air. Is like knowing 
how to manipulate your body while you're airborne. You know, I remember the first time I tried jumping on my snowboard, like I just ate shit like so many times because I didn't understand like how to fly through the air, you know? <clears throat> but, you know, you eventually learn <laughs> how to do it. It's really hard to learn on Shasta jumps though. Those things need some work. Dude, like, jumps at Bachelor this Jumping on Shasta's jumps. No, fuck Shasta's jumps, dude. I, I, I mean, I, I, can hit, I can hit them now and stuff. When I was, like, learning, dude, they, they were the worst. <laughs> you would love what Bachelor did this season in the parks because they got a contract with Woodward. Oh, so nice. Woodward is making a um, facility in Bachelor, and they're, they're, they're spending a ton of money. So this year they just branded all the parks under the Woodward, Woodward. banner and they brought in whatever expertise from the Woodward side, dude, I'm not, I'm not the best aerialist, you know, like I could throw down a 360 if I'm like hundred percent confident and I've hit the jump a few times and I, or if I'm just, you know, got liquid courage or whatever, but yeah. uh, that's, that's about where I, I draw the line. I, I know that I could do a backflip, but I would have to really know the jump and so forth. But my point is, the jumps this year at Bachelor were so good. There were so many different parks that it was everything from just rollovers that you could just get some air off of to giant, you know, 100-foot tabletops and everything in between. So, bro, it was so fun to just, like, hit the small jumps, hit the small jumps, hit the small jumps, like, air out the small jumps, like, okay, hit the medium jumps, like, and, and just start feeling that feeling. I got some, some footage, and it's like, you're 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 more developed as as a as a you know person doing tricks on a snowboard than I am on my skis, but it's so wonderful to have that feeling of like jumping and then it's a different thing until you land the skiing right. It's like it's it's whatever you did on the on the takeoff now just like deal with it and then and then ski away right like that that willingness to just like. Fly. <laughs> yeah, it's like as you're going up the lip, you know, it's like, you're like, wow, this is a, I can't see anything, you know, like, <laughs> like those park jumps, you know what I mean? Like you go up the lip and you're like, you don't know, all you see is lip, you know, right. so right. you're totally, totally blind, you know, so it's like, this really takes um, a lot of like courage to hit those kind of jumps. Like, it's kind of weird, but yeah, like it's 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 a cool feeling just like going off the lip of a jump and just being in the air like Woo! in the air <laughs> like and like accelerating up like 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 people think that it's like but it's there's there's a there's a like there's a launching feeling that feels yeah. really good right that like literally feels good like if you have muscle pain or tightness or all of that shit goes away real quick when you're in the air, right? Oh, yeah, you don't feel anything. Just air, just air time, which is like the coolest feeling ever. Right. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it's awesome. It's the disconnection of the human body from the grounding of the earth. So you're, you're like literally in space when you jump off of the earth. And if you can, if you can like have a trajectory where instead of going immediately back down to the same place. If you're like gonna travel through the space and land somewhere else, 
you're like you're like astral projecting like you're you're doing the thing that like mystics try to do psychologically you're you're doing the thing that grace is that like that like beauty is is like a movement like things are artistic i would argue because they produce a movement in yourself in your psyche right if something doesn't like make something happen internally then it's not art it's just it's just a pattern you feel me so like i think that what you do is a spiritual practice jumping off of waterfalls snowboarding in the way that you do would you would you agree or disagree with that yeah for sure and like it all it takes visualization too so like you know before i do any of that stuff like i do it in my mind first you know so it's like it's it's, it's like uh meditation kind of you know like I'll, I'll like dream about doing snowboard tricks and shit like that or like cliff jumping and then like i'll wake up and i'll be like oh, okay sweet so like i you just have to do that and then i'll think about it more you know what i mean but it's like if I'm dreaming of it and then I go and do it, like that's such an amazing feeling that like I'm living my dreams, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just so cool to be able to, to think about something and then do it. I think, and the, that, I'm sorry. But like the more I think about it, the less scary it is when I go to do it, you know? Right, right. That's super important. It's, it has to be, in my opinion, that that model, let's say, focusing, visualizing, dreaming, and then doing the thing is the correct model for accomplishing something difficult, as opposed to anything removed from one's own, like, like delving into the thing spiritually like you're in it if you're dreaming about it and if yeah. you're feeling like, yeah. like and, and 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 then if you if you if you are dreaming the right thing it's the thing that you want to do think about how many of us are doing that process with shit that they don't want to do yeah you know whether it's it's dreaming through trauma or you know some asshole at work or or you know difficulties that they're going through and they're and they're doing that operation that allows you to achieve these like unbelievable heights of experience jumping off a you know hundred foot waterfall or what have you or doing you know off of it. like you're using that capacity of the human animal to be like a spiritual being for the right reason in the way that it moves you forward into into your chosen practice. I think that there's something to be said for that, man. I think that you're living consciously. And if that, that honest, that arguably is bringing the unconscious, your dreams and so forth, conscious. And so that's awesome, man. That's gotta be a sign that you're on, that, that one's on the right path when they are using their abstracting and, and cognitive and, and spiritual, you know, dialogue like they are choosing to do that because i know from experience and i'm not trying to talk for anybody else not not you or anybody else but like i've had that process that i think is intrinsic to the human nature to the human condition work against me right 
oh, I've, I've been thinking about this conversation or this person's going to you know, do this bad thing to me and I've been one running it through my head. When I know that I can be thinking about that next big wave that I'm going to drop in on or that, that next powder run that I'm going to be floating through with the, with the sun shining, like I know I can put that spiritual energy towards those things. And I think that it takes, uh, it takes concerted effort and any way that, that we can build a framework around like protecting that function, like making that effort conscious is worth it. Yeah. And it helps like thinking about it before you go to sleep, like as you're falling asleep, if you think about it, then it helps like helps put it in your mind when you're dreaming. I've realized. How do you, how do you protect the sanctified space of, you know, the dream space or the thinking mind from negativity, from your own detracting voice that I would argue we all have from, from, from one's own, you know, judgmental mind. How, what, what strategies, what perspectives do you have on dealing with that part of the equation? Um, just by having, um, just by like knowing how awesome it is to dream about that kind of stuff and to, to do that kind of stuff just by like getting that enjoyment out of it produces more of that you know it's sure. just like just like by by loving it so much makes it happen you know right and that's that's it, that's it really that focus huh focus. Just by get, getting enjoyment out of it like loving it and looking forward to doing it again you know that's that's how it happens like sometimes like i'll have like other dreams obviously like about who knows what can't even remember most of my dreams but you know just by understanding what you love and what you want out of life and kind of just happens i don't know i'm not much of a lucid dreamer i don't think you know like my dreams like they can feel really real but when i wake up like i know it's a dream you know so I lucid dream a lot like yeah. I, not not like not like you know more than the next person but I've found that place where and obviously you have too in a really productive way I would argue that the dreaming space and the conscious space overlap um you know and I think being able to navigate that effectively is a, is a learned skill and a practice. And uh, something that I'm willing to interact. Um, but yeah, like one of the things that's been really intriguing to me in the last like six months, a year, when I've been trying to, you know, get more on track and, and buckle down and, and try to put more of my, you know, collective energies towards, you know, chosen uh, goals. The more that I've found lectures and content online about um, the kind of, uh, how would you say, the, the like hero's journey, spiritual path, and the relevance of dreaming uh, in, in that process. 
right? Like facing the darkness, you know, understanding the existence of chaos. Like that is to say that any systematic representation of the world, whether it's theoretical physics or chemistry or some, you know, spiritual practice or religion or whatever science you, you happen to study diligently is only a representation of the truth. And that the truth, the, the capital T truth is just your life. And that's how you have access to, to what's, what's actually real. And focusing on those things has allowed me to access more of those good traits that we spoke about earlier, where, you know, I think a delve, a deep dive into theory brings us to just compassion, just self-restraint, um, you know, discipline, uh, and, and, uh, yeah, man, it's been really neat. Like Jordan Peterson is a good, uh, is a good person to listen to if you're at all given to liking, uh, you know, motivational shit or, uh, or intellectual, you know, uh, kind of lectures. Uh, he's really a good, good uh, person to listen to. I, you know, I've listened to a lot of that shit. And I, I, I guess I'm interested in trying to, to get at in, in, in a question to you, but I don't know if I can formulate the question well enough. How you would formulate, how you would describe the foundation of your, your link, your, your communion with that process with, with the love that you have for the passions that are, are, are like if a, if a young person comes to you and is asking you what to do with their life and you're trying to put into words these things that we're speaking to how, how, how do you speak to them um well first they have to find something that they believe in that, that gives them joy you know, and then then they have to find other likes individuals that share that same passion, and then it just happens, basically. You know, and you know it, it it's just finding enjoyment in what you do. You know, finding love and you know being content with who you are is all a part of you know that journey. Right, right. I, th I think that one of the, the things that you're touching on that's so important uh, for myself, for, for everybody, I would argue, is that any narrative that takes a person away from, from valuing their own enjoyment is a, is a false representation of the way that the world works. Like if, if a person sits there and argues that you've got to make X amount of dollars a year or you have to achieve A, a or B or C, to have some kind of, you know, good life. Um, I just think that those people are really dangerous. And I think that the people like yourself, Scott, that are willing to stand by the truth of the fact in my, I mean, you know, in my words, that following your own heart, believing in, in what you find value in, um, in that it has value, um, you know, and trusting your instincts, trusting your, 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 you know, your passions, your joys to, you know, bring you to other, you know, positive relationships to uh, enrich your life, you know, to, to, to bring meaning to what is essentially, you know, an unknown chaotic experience, right? Nobody understands consciousness. Um, but we do understand joy and love and, 
And like, these are not too difficult of, of, of abstractions to not be able to speak to. Like we all know what love is. And so like one of the great motivating feelings that I've had in the last like 10 years has been living my life in accordance with the reality that I can't live it for anybody else. I can't make you happy. As yeah. Much as I'd like to, right. As much as I want to give you the fact that we're friends and, and I'm your brother, you know, and I've got your back. And if you need me, call me like, that's all real. But I know that no matter how much I, I want to like give you a hug if you need one or like give you the right, you know, the right wisdom when you are asking for it. Not that you are. I'm not speaking to you. Yeah. You feel me? It's always, it's always the person that's in charge of the trajectory of their life, their emotionality, the way that they respond to, you know, setbacks and trauma and difficulties. And like, that's helped me, right? And the yeah. thing that, that has been the next step of like internalizing that, working with that, you know, in accordance with, with my life has been trying to learn how to communicate that. And I, I haven't gotten there yet, but I, I know how to, I know how to talk around it. Like I know how to, I know how to have us both look at it. And then that's why I like doing these conversations so much because the hope is we can form the, 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 the circuit, you know, where we're connecting, right? Because you can say whatever you want, you know? But there's also like the undercurrent. There's the, the fact that we're both connected to something that's undefinable and something that's unknowable, right? Like your consciousness, you know, and your perspective and your experience of life, like that's brought to bear whenever you are sharing something personal, you know, whenever you're being yourself, right? And the dangerous thing that I see, like I'm not given to being too cynical anymore. As much as I grew up like a lefty politically, I just see the utter waste of my energy when it comes to just debating politics and stuff. But I just see the, the soullessness in popular media and television in, in politics and in advertising. A lot of people in general. A lot, a lot of, of humans. Yeah, man. And, and, and what that does for me is, is more fully ground my soulfulness for me as a as a protection right and then the next step i can't see you bud the you there i was gonna say that the next step is to try to connect soulfully with others but uh it looks like we lost scott scott you there man Okay, well, his phone might have died. That's a very real possibility. So um, we will connect soulfully as soon as possible. Um, thank you guys all for watching. I really appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed me uh, uh, connecting with Scott Hansen. He's a, a great friend of mine, a really uh, amazing dude, um, longtime firefighter, paramedic, ski patroller, and all around uh, amazing human. So uh, until next time, I hope you enjoyed our talk. Uh, love you guys very much. More power to you. Sorry that I've got super bloodshot eyes. Um, but, uh, we'll see you next time.